I chuckled when I saw this. <laughs> Apple's about to drop the next generation of iPad Pro. So I decided to go back to where it all began and react to the very first iPad drop, sponsored by CuriosityStream. <laughs> Okay, this right here is why Steve Jobs is just a master presenter at the height of his keynote craft. He gets everyone going with a joke, with an icebreaker, with a laugh. But I think it's far more interesting to actually go into what he's not saying here, and that's the actual history about of what he's about to discuss, the Purple Experience Project, which was originally gonna be a tablet. And there are sort of two different stories. Maybe they're both true, maybe one or the other is true. You'll have to judge for yourself. The first is that Steve Jobs' wife, Lorene, had a friend and her friend's husband worked at Microsoft. And one day he came over for dinner and he was talking about how Microsoft was getting ready to revolutionize the personal computer with tablet PC and a stylus. And it sounds like Steve Jobs just threw up a little bit in his brainstem and immediately called his team together and said, no, not on my watch. Better than the laptop, better than the smartphone. And of course, the other story is that Steve just really, really, really wanted a touch-based tablet that he could use to triage email in the bathroom. In order to really create a new category of devices, those devices are gonna have to be far better at doing some key tasks. What kind of tasks? Well, things like browsing the web. They'd been using Internet Explorer on the Mac, but they really wanted to own their own web technology. So they hired Don Melton, who'd been working at Mozilla, on what became Firefox to come to Apple and create the Alexander project. And because Mozilla's code base was bigger than OS X's at the time, that was just never gonna happen. That was a non-starter. So they looked at KHTML at Conqueror, which was an open source browser framework. And they, they forked that off and made WebKit for originally the Mac. But then when the iPhone came out, they wanted to bring what they called real grown-up browsing to smartphones, and now with the iPad, they were gonna be able to take advantage of that and just scale the browser back up to a larger screen, if not to full-on computing functionality, at least not yet. Doing email. If you believe that second story, the original purpose of the iPad. Enjoying and sharing photographs. And that was something that become hugely successful on the iPhone, the ability to look at your photos on a big screen at the time and pinch and zoom and do those sorts of things. It was a kind of feature that you demonstrated to your friends, that you evangelized to your friends that made them want to get iPhones. And it was the work, you know, of designer Mike Mattis, who then went to work on making a version for the iPad. Reading eBooks. Just prior to this keynote, not very long before, Steve Jobs very publicly downplay the importance of ebooks, saying people don't read anymore. And there's this famous anecdote about Scott Forrestal coming to see Steve. I think it was like about Facebook integration and Steve saying, you know, he really didn't give a talk to me about ebooks and then saying, you've got to, you know, drop everything, get a team working on ebooks because I need an ebook reader, an ebook store. I need all of that built and ready to ship with the iPad, which was coming up in mere months. Now, some people have thought that that's a netbook. The problem is netbooks aren't better at anything. <laughs> For years, Apple was being hammered by analysts saying, where is your answer to netbooks? Where is your answer to netbooks? They have low quality displays and they run clunky old PC software. So 
they're not better than a laptop at anything. They're just cheaper. They're just cheap laptops. And Steve was so good at this too. He was so good at putting the competition in the absolute worst light possible. He's focusing on all the negatives of netbooks so he can show in juxtaposition all the advantages, all the benefits of what he's about to announce next. But we think we've got something that is. And we'd like to show it to you today for the first time. And we call it the iPad. People made so much fun of this name going into the show when the name started leaking. Just all the jokes that you can possibly imagine. But in hindsight, perfectly obvious. iPod, iPhone, iMac, iPad. That's what it looks like. Very thin. It's just like this. So he's not pulling it out of a manila envelope. It's not quite... It's not quite the stagecraft that he used for the original MacBook Air unveiling, but it's still one of those historic moments. And you can uh, change the background screen, the home screen, to personalize it any way you want. People put their own photos on it, I'm sure, but we ship a few and you can make it anything you want. Originally, it wasn't going to have wallpaper. It was going to have just the solid black color the way the iPhone did at the time because frame rate was just everything at Apple then. Everything had to be 60 frames per second, zero dropped frames tolerated, and the graphics just weren't capable of doing the level of compositing needed at 60 frames per second yet. So Steve said, yeah, I want wallpaper. And the engineers had to work through the holidays because this was a January unveiling, remember? So they had to work over Christmas, over New Year to get wallpaper working for the iPad. Phenomenal for mail. You wanna focus in on a message, you can do that. See your inbox. Again, just turn iPad sideways. Get a different view on your mail. Steve Jobs just originally wanted the iPhone interface ported straight over to the iPad, meaning that single column view. But some of the UI kit engineers pushed back, saying that that was sort of wasteful and not ideal at all, given the aspect ratio and the size of the iPad. And it would be way better having a split view controller which essentially means a list of items on the left-hand side. And when you pick any of those items, you get the full details, the full page on the right-hand side. One of the things I think a lot of people who want to be Steve Jobs get wrong is that he was an auteur, but he was not a dictator. He had strong opinions loosely held, and he hired really smart people because he wanted them to argue with him, famously putting iTunes on Windows, later making an iPad mini, here getting multi-columns on the iPad, he would have a very strong opinion until you convinced him otherwise. And then he would spin on a dime and have that new opinion so strongly, he probably thought he'd come up with it to begin with. And in fact, here it is even ironic a little bit because later that would be one of the things that he'd use to criticize early Android tablets saying they were just blown up smartphones, that they just had blown up smartphone interfaces and there but for the grace of some UI kit engineers would have gone Apple. So that gives you a little overview of what the iPad can do, but it's nothing like seeing it. Steve Jobs wanted a Le Corbusier chair. He wanted to be able to sit there on the stage and lean back. Again, the iPhone was for moving, for triaging, for leaning into things, and the iPad was for aggregating, for reporting, for leaning back, for enjoying things. And he wanted to be able to show that experience on stage. So he had, you know, the, the events team at Apple go out 
and pick up just a bunch of Le Corbusier chairs. And he went through them on stage under that lighting, each and every one of them to see what the color looked like under that light, what the wear looked like, how it felt when he sat in it. And then he chose his platonic ideal, his Le Corbusier prime, the one chair to rule them all. And that was the one he famously did this demo in. And touch the New York Times, let's say. And here we are, right at the New York Times. You can see how fast it is. And I can just uh, scroll around here and look at the whole front page of the New York Times. Without paying any attention to, not noticing, not indicating in any way, that broken puzzle piece, Lego block, right in the middle where the lack of a flash plugin is just causing that, basically that rendering error box. And this was a huge debate back then. Some people really thought the iPhone, by extension the iPad, would be dead on arrival because they didn't support Flash, the macromedia then Adobe web rendering technology that was sort of created back then to fill in the gap, things that the web just didn't do well yet, sort of like how Microsoft had ActiveX in the old days. And Adobe you know, just recently declared Flash officially MDK, murder, death, killed, gone. And it was sort of hilarious, you know, not even in hindsight, but at the time back then that other vendors from Palm to BlackBerry to you know, some of the Android vendors pinned their hopes and dreams of competing with the iPad on supporting Flash when it was just so clearly a dead-end technology iPad is powered by our own custom silicon. We have an incredible group that does custom silicon at Apple. We have a chip called A4, which is our most advanced chip we've ever done that powers the iPad. And there it is, at least to me, one of the most important announcements Apple has ever made, their very first custom chip. And the story is he wanted Apple, he wanted somebody who could find the best chipsets for Apple devices to, again, take control of what Apple considered to be the most important, the core technologies, the things they needed to own to make differentiated, truly differentiated, integrated products. And this was the beginning of all of that. It's got a 30-pin connector, so it plugs into the whole ecosystem of iPod accessories. There are prototypes of earlier iPads out there that had two dock connectors, one for the portrait mode, the one that we have today, and one on the side, one in landscape mode. But because, again, Steve Jobs being Steve Jobs and thinking black and white are just one too many options, he insisted that Apple go with only one dock connector. And Apple even had a keyboard for it long before the smart keyboard, long before the magic keyboard that had the 30-pin dock connector on it. So you had to awkwardly, interestingly, plug into that original keyboard in portrait mode with the iPad. We've been able to achieve 10 hours of battery life in this one and a half pound device. OG iPad 2010, they picked 10 hours to be the battery life for the iPad. And over the years, they have stuck to that. They could have made it even thinner earlier and reduced the battery life. They could have kept it thicker longer and increased the battery life, but no, not gonna do it. It is 10 hours. You can have any battery capacity you want as long as what you want is 10 hours. And that so far has not changed at all. Well, if you listen to the pundits, we're going to price it under $1,000, which is code for 999. 
And this is something that I think leaked via the Wall Street Journal back then. And some people have said that, you know, Apple was behind it. They were going to set expectations really high so that they could exceed them by going much lower than that. And, you know, who knows? iPad pricing starts not at $9.99, but at just $499. And there it is, you know, set up the price and then beat it by half. And one of the stories that spun out of this that had been reported about this moment is that, yes, absolutely, it took a visionary like Steve Jobs, uh, you know, and the team at Apple to figure out how to make the tablet, how to take the tablet mainstream. But it took a logistical expert like Tim Cook and his ops, his operational organization to figure out how to make it for $4.99. Okay, this is getting just way too long for YouTube. So make sure you check out the full version up on Nebula. That's the streaming service where I can post extended cuts, bonus content, bloopers, tangents, whole entire originals, anything and everything that just wouldn't perform well at all with the YouTube algorithm, but works great on Nebula, 100% ad-free and sponsor-free as well, including Apple Talk, my Psychology of Technology podcast with psychotherapist Georgia Dow, which has a weekly bonus topic only available on Nebula. Also, all the videos from all the other education creators like TechAlter, Jordan Harrod, Ali Abdal, Thomas Frank, Real Engineering, Real Science, and so many more, all ad-free, sponsor-free, and often with bonus content. So what does any of this have to do with CuriosityStream? Well, since they're the go-to source for the very best documentaries on the internet, like Ancient Engineering, Rise of the Supercastle, where you can see how things were made long before the iPad, they just love, all caps love, educationally creators. So we worked out this deal, where if you click on the link in the description, or sign up at curiositystream.com slash Richie. Not only will you be supporting us directly, you'll get CuriosityStream for 26% off and Nebula bundled in for free. That's less than $15 a year for both and the absolute best deal in streaming. So click the link in the description or go to curiositystream.com slash Richie and clicking on that link really helps out the channel. For much, much more on the next generation iPad Pro, hit the playlist above. I'm breaking down every new story, every new feature, so that you can decide if Apple's next iPad Pro should be your next iPad Pro as well. Just the playlist, and I'll see you in the next video.